Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 124 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we talked about legal ethics and cybersecurity in a way that actually earned us some compliments from our friends Sharon Nelson and John Simic, cybersecurity experts and co-hosts of the Digital Detectives podcast on the Legal Talk Network. In this episode, we'll do our annual wrap-up on our recent trip to ABA Tech Show. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be talking about ABA Tech Show 2014, what we saw and what we liked. Uh, in our second segment, we'll talk about the debut, finally, of Microsoft Office on the iPad. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's get started on our main topic, and that is ABA Tech Show 2014. For lawyers, I think Tech Show is one of the biggest technology programs, conferences around. And we like to say, and it was said a lot during the time, that if you don't leave the conference with your head just swimming with all of the great information you've got, then somebody's doing something wrong. And once again, I think Tech Show really delivered on that. And most of the people that I talked to who were new, who hadn't been there before, and people who'd been there before really came away with a sense that they learned a whole lot of stuff that they were going to take back and implement in their practice back in their particular office. Dennis, what did you like best about this year's Tech Show? Well, I did feel overwhelmed. I will say that. And partially because I cannot believe how I overscheduled myself. And then when I wasn't scheduled, I was just uh, talking to a bunch of people, uh, old friends, meeting new people. It was great, which that just remind me what one of the things I like about Tech Show is I think about the different conferences that I go to on a regular basis is it always seems like such a great networking conference. There's so many things that go on there that really make it easy for you to meet people. I think the speakers are always open and, and friendly. Friendly. I mean, I know part of it, Tom, is that you and I have been on the board. We've been going for many years. You used to be chair, so it's, it's kind of easy for us to meet people because people want to meet us. But as I talk to especially new attendees, I think that's one of the things they like. There's just so many things where it's easy to talk to people. And then uh, uh, we might talk about what I think is cool, the Taste of Tech Show dinners, which is sort of a structured way for people at the conference to have dinner together. They're hosted by speakers of different sessions. Uh, you know, nominally, they're about a certain topic. But I've been to conferences where if you don't know people and you don't have something set up, then you know, there's a good chance you might be eating dinner in your room. And, and I think that makes for a, a lesser sense of enjoyment of a conference. But those dinners just really make... I, I, Tom, you and I did a dinner, and we met some new people who were just great. We just had a, had a great time. We did, and I agree with you. I, I, I remember reading a blog post, and I'm embarrassed now that I can't remember who it was. I did a quick search and can't find it. If you were not at the conference, but you happen to be following it, maybe from uh, from Twitter or something like that, we always see those who like to uh, attend Tech Show, really, or any conference. It's not just Tech Show, but we'll talk about Tech Show now. But they like to attend it from afar and kibitz and uh, give commentary. And I think it's really unfair because 
because the major benefit of being, I think, at a conference like this, you can always get lots of online CLE and you can uh, buy books and read about things to learn stuff. But really, the benefit of being at a conference like this is getting to meet people. And I think you're right. I think that very rarely do you get a show where the experts, where the people who know what they're talking about are so accessible. One of the things we tried to do this year, I think we want to try to to have it work better next year. But one of the things that we had this year was a legal technology solutions lab that was right outside all the classrooms so that once the sessions were over, the speakers could come out there and answer more questions, you know, to say, uh, okay, you just told me about the paperless office. I'm trying to go paperless in my practice. And here are some particular challenges I'm having. And the speakers, I think we're a lot of them were very willing to come out and do that sort of thing. I want to make it better and expand it. I, I hope we do that next year to be able to, to get those sorts of things done. But I think that, again, like you talk about the taste of tech show dinners, getting attendees to go out and meet each other. It really is, I think, different from most conferences in that regard that I go to anyway. Like you said, instead of going to a reception where you don't know anybody or then and then going up to your hotel room at the end of the day, I didn't see a whole lot of people doing that. So maybe we want to talk about kind of how we were involved in Tech Show this year. Uh, what were the kinds of things that you were talking about this year, Dennis? When I came to Tech Show, I originally thought I was just speaking at one session, which is a how-to session on, on LinkedIn, which I'll talk about because there was a how-to track I thought really worked well. But I ended up actually, Tom, courtesy of you, talking at uh, three different sessions. So you and I were part of a great panel at the beginning of the conference that presented the results of the the uh, Legal Technology Resources uh, ABA Technology Survey. So we talked about trends with the Adriana Linares, Allison Shields, and Paul Unger. So that was fun. And then you and I talked uh, at a session about how to write, you know, for uh, the Law Practice Division, which was great because I, I think that we were able to talk about ways not only that people who are interested in doing books can do that, but people who just want to get started in writing have several outlets. And it's a, a good way for people who especially want to get involved in technology can start out by, you know, writing for the Law Technology Today blog, maybe turning that into writing a webzine article that can lead to speaking at Tech Show or at other places. And, and so I thought that was a really useful session. We got a lot of uh, great questions. And, and then Allison Shields and I talked about a how-to session on LinkedIn where, where we just focused on how to improve your LinkedIn profile. And Tom, you sort of enjoy this because at the end, somebody came up to me and said, I wish you had more time you know, to to focus on that. And I, I said, you know, it's funny because a couple of years ago, people were asking me to do like one hour on all of social media. And then I tried <laughs> to say, let's, can we just do one hour on LinkedIn? Now it's like, we're just doing one aspect of LinkedIn profiles and people still feel like an hour isn't enough to, to get into it. So, uh, you know, get all the way through it. So it's kind of interesting how that dynamic of social media is changing. I didn't get to see you speak to, when we were speaking together, but I, I think you were doing some iPad stuff again. 
Well, to no one's surprise, yes, I did do a session called iPad in Action uh, with Jim Calloway. Had a great time doing that. Uh, and then Reed Trouts and I did a session on the paperless track that uh, was called Less Paper, More Mobility, which was essentially about how to how to access your documents uh, from the office uh, while you were on the road. And I think what was, what was interesting to me was that no matter how well-versed I or others happen to be with technology, I think it's always interesting how there will be technology challenges and you will have things not go quite the way you want them to go during your session. And I think that the um, attendees were incredibly gracious about that and patient and understanding. At least I hope they were. I haven't seen their ratings yet, so we'll wait and see what happens about that. But had a great time talking on those topics. Like you say, Dennis, I think that the topic on how to write for the law practice division was really good because one of the things that I think we're always in danger of, of doing is becoming too insular and having you know the same people write about stuff over and over again. And while these folks know their business and know the topics, it's always good to get new blood. And so I guess maybe this is my way of talking to the listeners out there and say, if, if you feel like you've got a book in you somewhere on any topic of law practice, technology, marketing, finance, anything like that, then let us know. Tell us what you got in mind. Um, we are always looking for new folks to write for the division. Um, so we've kind of talked about what we're doing, what we did at Tech Show. What were some of the favorite things that you saw, whether they were sessions or other things out there uh, at Tech Show, Dennis? One of my favorite things was uh, seeing you present on the iPad at the uh the Michigan Avenue uh, Apple Store in Chicago, which, you know, it would take me a while to come up with something to top that. <laughs> so that was fun to get to see your general iPad presentation in its current form. And as I told you that the Apple Store people were really impressed with the job you did. And so that was really fun. Then the other thing that I really liked was I went to see a, a friend of mine, Christian Puzder, whose father used to be at the law firm I was at in St. Louis. And Christian, his son, was also at the same law firm, but after I had left and after his dad had left. And then he's at Westlaw next, you know, working on those projects. And he did a presentation on using Westlaw next that I think was really made me think because it's one of those great things where I don't, sometimes people are looking for like really new things and it's it's sort of more in the combinations of technology that things start to get interesting. So the general notion here was that client calls with the basic legal question and how you could use some of the, the sort of practical legal resources, the research tools and something they call people map before you called the client back to get an idea of what the state of the law was, maybe what some of the controlling cases were to assess the viability of a case and then use this tool called people map to find out some information about the potential defendant to see whether they might have assets that made it worthwhile to consider even going forward so that when you made that call to a client, you seem super knowledgeable and, and super on top of, of what they were doing. And again, it's just a combination of standard tools in a new way with a client focus. And I thought Christian did a great job. And it really made me think about how there are a lot of these tools out there. And if you can start to say, how can I put these things together into a package uh, with a client focus that they start to become really interesting. 
You know, and I heard a lot from people um, the, the same way that you're talking about Westlaw Next. Um, I heard a lot of the practice management advisors taking a look at the uh, just wholly redesigned Lexus Nexus firm manager that when I was speaking with Reed, he was already prepared to talk about your standard and, and the more familiar cloud offerings like Clio and Rocket Matter in my case. And, and he really put firm manager in as a serious contender now because they've really, really improved their product and, and a lot of excitement. A lot of buzz that I heard around that. As far as what I saw that I really liked, like you mentioned, I think that the how-to track this year was a great idea. It was a great addition at the risk of actually adding more content to the show. I think it was a great addition because uh, you know there's only so much we can talk about during a regular session. To actually have a, a session on on how to use Evernote in your practice and to actually get in there and do things, or how to create a website and create a website very quickly, or, or how to do just like you said, to work on your profile on LinkedIn. It's very hands-on, things that you don't really think about having a whole hour on. I really like the idea, and I hope they continue that next year. Um, Being a new Mac owner, I spent a lot of time on the iPad and the Mac track learning about Mac stuff. I thought that all the sessions and all the folks there who came and talked about Macs were, uh, I think, really great at what they did. If there was one thing that grabbed my attention, I when we did our state of legal technology the first day, I kind of handled mobile technology. That was the area that I talked about. And one of my numbers, one of the numbers that I talked about was the percentage of, of people who use different platforms, you know, Apple, Android, Windows, BlackBerry. And you would absolutely... You know, we talked about how BlackBerry had fallen in popularity and iOS was still number one, Android was catching up. And what was amazing was how that bore itself out on Saturday. Because Saturday, there was one solid track of apps for all four platforms. So there was a 60 apps in 60 minutes for Windows, iOS, BlackBerry, Android. And what was amazing was the, the iOS room was just packed to the gills. It was standing room only in that room. Uh, the Android room got a pretty good decent crowd. The Windows room, not great at all. And I believe there were literally three people in the BlackBerry room, uh, four people if you include the speaker. And so that was your visual evidence right there of what the survey uh, showed about uh, the the popularity of different platforms. And I I look forward to seeing whether there's even a BlackBerry session at all next year, because I just don't see that happening. That was fascinating because of how quickly it seems that BlackBerry has fallen off the cliff and how technology that's, you know, sort of what it seems like as a standard can all of a sudden change so quickly. I mean, we've seen that over the years with different platforms, but the BlackBerry change was stunning in some ways. And and I'm not sure, you know, I saw some of the pictures from that BlackBerry app's Room. And we kid our friend Dan Pennington, who did the presentation there of being from Canada and being the last, you know, standard bearer for BlackBerry. But it was that was just surprising to see those pictures of essentially no one in those rooms. So uh, big changes there. And and you sort of had the sense, and oh, I, I think we'll come back and talk about this a little bit before we wind up time about maybe we're on the, the verge of, of some bigger changes. I did want to talk about Rick Clow's uh, keynote. Rick Clow is, for those of us who were early on the internet and early on blogging, you know, Rick 
who was one of the first, somebody we all look up to, and he's now at Google Ventures. He came back and gave a, a really great talk, I thought, on sort of what Google Ventures does, what they look for, what's happening in angel investing, a little bit of VC in the legal world, and a, a big focus on what he called how data always trumps opinion and the use of data in connection with everything that we're doing. So not just big data, but, but the use of data can sort of look at that as, you know, evidence-driven decision-making. There, there's a lot of different aspects, but I thought it was a, a really great thought-provoking talk, which is the way keynote should be. Raise some questions, get you thinking, and then to, uh, to me, one of the interesting parts of that was with this money going into what's loosely called legal ventures, because I'm not really sure how those break out, my sense is that that investment is going into things that are looking for ways to route around what lawyers do. So alternatives to what lawyers do more than technology that lawyers themselves actually use. I agree with that. I think that we're seeing a lot more in that area of trying to, uh, was it this week or last week that there was an article out or there was something out talking again, talking about how uh, the demise of lawyers is near talking about the future of law. So uh, it's less about the technology and more about finding ways around the traditional model, I suppose. As far as the next new thing, I will say, I don't know that I saw it personally. You probably got a lot more exposure to those types of things than I did. Uh, if I saw a trend, I saw definitely more of a move continued move. I wouldn't say that this was dramatic or unexpected, but a continued move towards mobile technology. If I'm down on the vendor floor, I saw a lot more focus on mobile and on apps and a lot less focus on e-discovery. This conference just, even though there's an e-discovery track, even though there's a litigation track and people are doing a lot of talking about electronically stored information, the focus is not the same as it used to be. The vendors don't really see this crowd as being a, a, a crowd that purchases e-discovery services. And so I think that it's an interesting demographic that has different priorities in terms of what they want for their practice and what's important in their practice where legal tech might have a different focus as far as that's concerned. If there was a, a next new thing, is is there something you're seeing there? Is, is that what we're talking about, that the venture capitalists are looking at ways to disrupt the practice of law entirely rather than find new technologies to help with the practice of law? Well, Tom, I, I don't know that I can put my finger on the next new thing or whether one even exists. But I sort of had this feeling on the last day or so, or maybe the next to the last day, that there was something happening. There was kind of a cool energy and maybe we we're just on the verge of something happening. And I can't really put my finger on it. And after all the talk about, you know, data trumping opinion and evidence-based, it's hard for me to say, oh, I have this feeling that something might be changing. But I had that feeling. I don't know exactly where it is. I, I think it has something to do with what's going on with uh, data. I think it's partially to do with combinations of existing tools, uh, maybe used in new and, and practical ways. Maybe it's a sort of general cloud slash mobile area or what I might call of, you know, as a service. So things 
things get delivered to you in a way so you don't have to learn things from the ground up or install them from the ground up. Um, one of the things when you say there's a new thing, whether it was you know the internet, the, you know using the web, blogging, wh- whatever, you know the different things that have happened over the years, you can't really put your finger on it at the beginning. There's just more of a, a sense of maybe there was a lull and now there's an energy moving in a different direction and you just kind of need to look to see where that's happening so you can kind of figure out what it's going to be. Like I said, it seems like it's in the data area. I saw some things on the exhibit floor that were sort of interesting in companies building things on Amazon Web Services. And it just feels there might be something really early that's starting to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know what, if that is the next new thing, but it seems like maybe we're in a place where the next new thing can start to happen. Well, and this segment would not be complete if we also didn't mention that I think one of both your and my favorite opportunities during the conference was to meet uh, the great folks at Legal Talk Network. We got to meet with Adam and Trent and Lawrence and sit down with them and talk about the podcast, talk about podcasting in general and distributing uh, this type of information out to broader groups of people. I think uh, we learned a lot, talked about some great ideas for both this podcast and for for other things coming up. So uh, I think look forward, stay tuned to what's happening at the Legal Talk Network over time. I'll just close out my comments by saying that I think Tech Show was great. I don't think Tech Show, I hate to say it, doesn't have to end. There was lots of positive buzz after the fact with people posting blog posts about, here are the 10 things I learned. Here's the 10 best pieces of swag that I found. And and people were talking about it. It's kind of starting to die down a little bit now. But that doesn't have to happen. Uh, you know, One of the things that I find with all the speakers is that come to Tech Show is they're very verbal all year long. They're writing articles, they're posting on blogs, they're hosting CLEs, they are finding ways to connect with the legal community to kind of demonstrate all year long a commitment to uh, to helping lawyers work and use technology better in their practice. So, uh, you know, go to Law Technology Today, the blog from the LTRC, look at the law practice CLEs that are given each month. I think you'll find some great resources from our tech show speakers all year long. So uh, just, you know, going to a conference two and a half days. It doesn't have to be that. It can be a lot more than that. Dennis, uh, you want to take us out of the segment? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, especially with the Legal Technology Resource Center site. And I'll just end with heading home. I t- ran into a flight delay, and so I got to spend an extra couple hours with Ernie Svensson, Tom O'Connor, and Craig Bear. And we talked quite a bit about tech show and technology and and what people were doing. And we spent a lot of time talking about Google Hangouts. And so that's another sense where I, I think you're going to see some people doing some experiments with other ways to reach out to people and connect with people and to talk about technology. So I'm kind of excited by using some of the other tools that are out there. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. 
And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. My name is Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Microsoft's announcement of the availability of Microsoft Office apps coincided with Tech Show. At Tech Show, all of the iPad fans, possibly even you, Tom, were giddy about the release of the new apps. I dutifully downloaded them, to be sure, but mainly because they were free. But I didn't really get caught up in all the excitement. And maybe I should hesitate to admit this, but I haven't even tried them yet. Tom, will you be able to convince me that I'm missing something? And is all the excitement? justified? Um, Yes and no. Yes, I can convince you. Yes, the excitement's justified. Maybe no, it's not completely justified. It was very frustrating for me at Tech Show because uh, the announcement of Office for the iPad came out about two hours after our session. So we were not the ones to be able to break it in a session, which I was sort of looking forward to. But uh, yes, indeed, we've been talking about this for a long time. People use iPads keep wondering, why can't I use Word or Excel or PowerPoint on my iPad? And and there's a good reason for that. Microsoft just really didn't have an interest in in doing that. They wanted to promote their own products, the Surface Tablet or other products uh, ahead of that. And and now I think this represents um, a kind of a new age for Microsoft. They're reaching out more to other companies, other technologies, recognizing that their users are uh, not always going to be within the Microsoft ecosystem. And um, I think this is a good step. The apps are really good. They are, in my opinion, the best word processing apps that are out there. Excel is the best spreadsheet app out there right now. I know the Mac people are going to say that pages and numbers and all of that are very good. Keynote is a very good program. But if you live in the Microsoft Office world, these are the best tools for working with the those native files. We did a demonstration at one of our sessions of uh, converting a PDF document back into Word, and I opened it up in three of the word processing apps on the iPad, and of the three, the only one that did it perfectly was the Microsoft Word app. So really a very good, good you know, you're not going to get every single feature in Word, but you're going to get the ones that are most important, including track changes, which are, is important to a lot of lawyers working with documents. Here are the caveats. The caveats are one right now, you can't save a document to anything but Microsoft's OneDrive. They're keeping you in that little walled garden there, and you've got to save them there. You can't save them to Dropbox or Box or anyplace else unless you want to email them out to yourself so you can save them someplace else. Right now, you can't print from the app, um, which uh, Microsoft says it's going to fix. And then uh, the other thing, which I view as a plus, a lot of people view as a minus, is, is that in order to use it, you need to have a subscription to Office 3. Now, I've had one. I've had that subscription for about a year now, probably have mentioned it on the podcast at least once. You know, for $100 a year, you get five licenses for Office 365, which is then constantly updated. Um, You don't have to keep downloading it. You're always getting an updated version. You can put it on five computers. So that's $20 a license per year, which entitles you to then use use the apps on the iPad and use with documents there. I think it's a great deal. I think it's a very reasonable price for a good product. So if you're not the type to do that kind of subscription, then that may be a stumbling block for you. But if, if it's not, I definitely say to download the apps, give them a try, and then, and then try out the Office 365 subscription. 
Yeah, Tom, I, I think it's, uh, I got to agree with in the Office 365 world, it's an easy decision. A couple of things I noticed that for the people who haven't looked at this yet, and it's an insanely popular download from the beginning. Although this one clarification I want to make for people, because I did this, is I went into the iTunes store and I searched for Microsoft Office thinking it was just one app and it's actually separate apps. So that's important. There's pretty big apps too. So if you don't have a lot of space, you need to, to keep that in mind. What I'm curious about, maybe this is my question for you, Tom, is that Microsoft has put itself in an interesting spot here because, and I know because I've seen you on panels with people talking about the Surface tablets and the Windows tablets. And generally what people said is, oh, but you get to run Microsoft Office on these tablets. Well, now Microsoft has enabled the big competition to do pretty much the same thing. And I'm sure that was quite a decision to make at Microsoft. And I, I wonder what you think the impact will be on on the Surface and the other Windows uh, tablets? That's a good question. And, you know, I think that with the new CEO, with Satya Nadella coming out and doing this, um, I've seen, I've listened to speculation about whether whether Steve Ballmer would have done this or Bill Gates, who back then said that, you know, his children don't listen on, on iPods back when iPods were out. My children only listen to music on Zunes. And it was a tragedy, a, a scandal when, uh, when they discovered that one of Bill Gates' kids was listening to an iPod. I, you know, I think that... Uh, this is not the only thing that Microsoft's doing. Uh, they're, they're starting to actually talk about running Android on some of their phones as well. And I, I probably don't know enough to understand why they're doing this, but I think they're recognizing that the same thing that maybe Amazon recognizes with the Kindle um, or that Google rep- recognizes with Google Maps is as long as we can be on all platforms, we have that exposure. As long as we can be available everywhere, maybe it doesn't matter that they're not buying our Surface tablet. And I will say that in the sessions that I talked to, the popularity for Windows, even last year when we did uh, Tablet Wars and Windows had a fully, you know, a third of the presentation time, they still didn't get enough votes over Android and iOS. And, you know, having full Microsoft Office is very compelling for lawyers. So why don't they want to? It's just because, you know, iPad and to a certain extent, Android tablets really have a hold on that. And I think Microsoft may be recognizing that. Well, now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So I'm going to come back and talk about a book uh, that Law Practice Division has just published. It came out just in time for Tech Show. It's uh, one of our one-hour books, but you wouldn't know it from the size because it's a little bit bigger, but that's a good thing. It's called PowerPoint in One Hour for Lawyers by our good friend and just amazing PowerPoint expert, Paul Unger. It's called a one-hour book, but keep in mind, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but you will be glad that it did take you longer. He really boils it down to here's what lawyers need to know to be able to put together good PowerPoint files. I know that people think that's an oxymoron, good PowerPoint, but really, if you're living in Microsoft Office's world, PowerPoint is the tool you use, and there really is a way to use PowerPoint to where you can be an effective communicator, whether you're at trial, whether you're just giving a presentation, and Paul really, really does do a good job of explaining how to create files that don't embarrass you or lead to what we call that death by PowerPoint feeling. Uh, available at the ABA Books web store. Dennis. 
And I want to mention the Walgreens iOS app. In my case, I'm sure they have it on the other platforms. And I want to mention this because I I used it this morning. And it's one of these cool little apps that does something really useful. So if you're trying to understand what the benefit of apps are, and people give you all these sort of whiz-bang apps that they talk about that you don't know exactly what you're going to do, let me give tell you what my experience was. So I was at Walgreens. I saw that they had an app. I downloaded it. I needed to refill prescription this morning. So I said, well, let me check the app. And I went on, and I could do a prescription refill. But the cool thing was that they used the camera. I could use the camera to scan the barcode on the bottle, the pill bottle. And it scanned it perfectly, pulled up my prescription, asked me if I wanted to do the refill. I confirmed that, confirmed the store I wanted to pick it up at, asked me if I wanted to be texted when it was ready. And uh, it's just a cool little app for that purpose that, you know, compared to typing the this long digits, you know, series of digits into the telephone, like I used to do, do essentially a barcode scan. And it's really cool. So it's just, I just think it's a great example of an app that somebody obviously thought through what customers would want. And it really makes the app and your phone a great vehicle just to do a prescription refill. Yeah, it's a very cool way to do something that has typically been a little bit frustrating for people to do in, in the past. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. You can get to the archives of all of our previous podcasts in both places as well. If you have a question that you want answered or a topic for an upcoming podcast, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet at tkmreport. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by writing this podcast or writing a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.